0: Alright, I'll do Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on Us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty-five dollars equivalent to fifteen dollars per month. Unlimited over forty gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty P. Active Mint customers by five thirty-one twenty-four. Get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG
1: for logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car accordingly. According to manufacturer's specifications for real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty book in or book online at repcoservice.com
0: the t20 world cup is coming to our shores in 2020 with the best of the best striving for the ultimate glory before that all kicks off let's join mel jones as she chats to cricket royalty on road to the t20 world cup Another trailblazer to grace road to the T20 World Cup this week with former Australian great and current England coach Lisa Keitling. She's on home soil, but also now technically on enemy territory. Lisa chats all things hitting record hundreds at Lords, coaching some of the world's best players, and in between it all, some classic kiters touring stories. It's kind of weird, Lisa Keitling, sitting in a hotel room and I'm sitting behind me is an English cricket kit. On the TV is Australia versus India. Australian a bit of strife with India absolutely flying. Do you watch these games and get a little bit confused yourself on who you're supporting?
1: Oh, I love a good game of cricket. That's probably <laughs> the best way to put it, Mel, and this looks like it's going to be a good game of cricket. So um, you could say cricket's the winner. <laughs>
0: you're going to play straight that, like that for the rest of the interview? You're gonna give us a little bit of something, something.
1: Well, it depends what questions she asks. Oh right, now, so you're gonna so. put it back on me,
0: okay? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna put away my nice easy questions now. I want to ask. Let's go back to Mudgie. First of all, where on Earth is Mudgie? For those that don't know.
1: Yeah, for those that don't know, it's um west of Sydney. Um, you go over the Blue Mountains.
0: Gorgeous spot. It takes
1: you an hour and a half to get to there, and down the other side through Lithgow and then out to Mudgee, which is a two-hour drive, so three and a half hours from Sydney. little place, a little thriving place. It's definitely a booming country town, and uh, it's a lot of B&Bs, wineries, farming, mining, so it's a nice little
0: (laughs) trek. I mentioned we had Belinda Clark on as our first podcast on Road to the T20 World Cup. She's from Newcastle. I'm still a little bit baffled that there's no Belinda Clark Stadium or Pavilion or (laughs) Loo. You've got one, though i got a
1: little stand,
0: yeah. yeah. At the main pavilion, at the main stadium? Um, well, we don't have too
1: many grounds, but we yeah. do have a ground just sort of in the centre of town where they generally play most of their cricket there. Mm-hmm. And there's a little wooden stand, which they've called the Lisa Kitely stand, which I was very honoured. I'm not sure how it happened, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, sure, no worries. Um, yeah, I reckon if you go
0: over your stats, we'll realise why it happened, but yeah. <laughs>
1: A nice little thing that will always be there, I suppose, when you look back on it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Was cricket always your number one sport?
1: No, not at all. I played heaps of stuff. Small country town. Three brothers a really sporting, I suppose, cousins and so forth. And... To keep out of trouble, I played oh, were everything. Were you one of those kids? No, I think my parents thought I might have been. Oh, right, okay. Two older <laughs> brothers, and they were that sort of people mm-hmm. <laughs> who got into trouble, or well, one of them was. Um, so, I don't know, uh, I just loved my sport and played everything that I could at school.
0: If you had your choice again as a kid and you could be a professional athlete in any of them, mm. would you have picked a different sport?
1: Um, well, I did love my basketball, I was okay. Yeah. That was good. Uh, I did love my softball at school. That was a big sport for us and I played quite well at that. And then cricket. So would I pick something different? Out of those three sports, I would have loved to gone to the Olympics.
0: Yeah. But
1: I think in the end I was best at cricket, so that sort of led me in that
0: path. I can remember when we first what have been when we first played together, would have been out of twenty ones well this is one of the tournaments anyways, in Melbourne. And my first memory is, even though I knew you were a, a batter, was this tall, mm-hmm. lanky, well i say medium fast? Well, is that being a bit too nice? Well, I was lanky, and I was <laughs> tall, and to be fair, I was probably medium. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bowling, a heavy ball I'd say as well, Didn't bowling didn't interest you at all? Yeah, I loved both as a kid, because you just
1: want to be in the game, don't you, and yeah. I suppose if... At school, I was classed as good at both, so I did batting and bowling, and I used to love both because in the day I was quite tall, so I could do some bounces, yeah, um, and I could scare the young kids <laughs> that I played with. So I loved the bowling part of part of it, but as I went through, I realised that's hard work, <laughs> and I enjoyed batting a lot more. And I knew it was always going to be a batter's game, cricket, so I um put more work into my batting and then obviously went down the batting route more so than bowling and I probably knew I wasn't quite quick enough (laughs) so um, in the end it looks like a good call (laughs) Melanie.
0: very good call does that mean that you have a little bit of empathy then for players that select to become quick bowlers and the oh I have a
1: lot of empathy for all-rounders yeah Uh, it's a hard slog you've got to train in both facets um and you know that takes hours and then you throw all the other stuff in anyone who's an all-rounder keeper but an all-round bowler the spinners hats off of course these days you've got to put a lot of hours in but if you're smart you'd probably just go debating if you could
0: (laughs) (laughs) and who was the smarter out of the two of you because the belinda clark lisa kightley combination happened pretty early doors how did it sort of come together and did it click straight away
1: Uh, It was quite funny. Belinda was playing for a club team called Marrickville United. I was travelling down to Sydney to play for Balmain. I thought it'd be really good to bat with Belinda and I actually left Balmain at the time oh, which was a little bit oh, controversial wow. yes. you know club yes. players leaving clubs but for me I thought it was a good option to go and bat with Belinda uh, we were batting together at State Cricket and it seemed to be working really well mm. and I went over for a year and batted with Belinda and I was really lucky the two clubs merged, so we were That's Balmain, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marrickford yeah. United and uh, we just clicked, I think our game complimented each other and yeah. it just sort of worked and I pretty much batted all my career state cricket in Australia with Belinda. Yeah. so it was a good partnership we knew each other pretty well by the end.
0: Is there any moments where you can remember a sense of frustration or things weren't working or you thought nah what are we doing this for? As in
1: batting with yeah. Belinda? No, because it was so good to be up the other end with Belinda because yes. uh, she took the pressure off me a lot because obviously she's a, was a world-class player, one of the all-time greats. So it was pretty nice being down the other end and mm. to have an experienced player as well. She played for Australia before I did. Yeah, You can't in- underestimate the conversations as a, a younger player yeah. or a player who hadn't played at that level as early as Belinda did, keeping you level-headed and calm at the crease. I think that goes under, under the radar a little bit when you see f- a combinations or yeah. a younger player batting with a senior player. Nine times out of ten, they do pretty well because that senior player is talking them through.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at your stats. I'm not a, not a huge one on stats, but this was an interesting one. Domestic oh. Domestic cricket, average of 37 with three centuries. <laughs> Internationally, though post what was it eighty two ODIs, average of just a decimal point under forty. Mm. So not not too many players see that their averages go up once they play in international cricket. You must have just you took to it like a duck to water almost.
1: Oh I think in the to be totally honest, some of the teams were a little bit off the pace. So you could oh. bump your average up a little bit.
0: But at that stage, Australia didn't play a lot of those teams often yes you no. played Pakistan you got the 156 not yeah. out, that was your first time but primarily we were playing England and New Zealand for the majority of the time
1: true thanks Mel <laughs> ah, that one puts that one yeah. to bed I suppose <laughs> yeah I'm not sure I just love to bat and you know as a batter I usually got out early or I got some runs so I suppose if I didn't get out early (laughs) I was pretty consistent in getting the runs I suppose so as an opener, I've nicked a few to the keeper in my time. Haven't we all? Um, Yeah so I used to struggle starting but if I got in usually I got some runs.
0: Average against England was 66, it just keeps going up against the better teams. Well I did like England. Um, (laughs) What was it about them? They had a handy attack.
1: Yeah, I think their style of bowling really complemented mine. I I played predominantly on the front foot, so I found that easier when I went to England because yeah. the ball didn't get up too much. And over in Australia, I loved the bounce, and I could pull and play quite aggressively to their bowlers that weren't that quick at the time. Yeah. I mean, if they gave you a short one, being an Australian playing men's cricket and boys' cricket all my life, I could usually hit that okay. So... Yeah. Yeah, I used to love Australia. I think England, I think sometimes you get you do really well against certain teams and England was a team for me. I generally did well so I was very confident. Yeah. And then that led to performing consistently against them. So, yeah, they were a nice team for me. So that was <laughs> It's quite funny now I'm coaching them. Really. I know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> People you often get at sporties or just in interviews, you know, your highlights of your cricket career and One of mine is yours, funnily enough, because I I can remember Lord's Match and the fact that you became the first ever female to a 100 there. And I think just the sense of the occasion as well. Fitz got the first ever fire by a woman at the ground as well. The celebrations on the boundary line. But also, when you got your 100, you almost got your eye poked out. Did I? By... Joanne Broadbent was batting with. Didn't you run past and she oh, high-fived yeah. <laughs> you and almost took you out?
1: <laughs> yeah, she did. Uh, it was quite funny because we didn't bat in helmets at that game, which is ironic these days. Everyone bats in a helmet. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you never knew what you are going to get with Joanne Broadbent, <laughs> did you? And uh, I suppose that was a classic, running past. So I was too busy thinking about, yes, I've got a 100 at Lords. I wanted to celebrate and Brogsy wanted to do a high-five. So it was one of those comical moments I suppose where it just all went wrong for a little moment but we got back on track and <laughs> had a good old celebration so that
0: was good When Clarkie was on the the podcast we, we spoke about her double hundred because I was dating at the other end and I was just, so, trying to Egged myself up to the fact that I was going to have to hug her, and not being a hugger, and I'm thinking, you know, this is delivery after delivery, trying to psych myself up for it, and then she gave me the big dead arm handshake and said, "Come on, I've got a long way to go." And I'm like, "What?" That's
1: Do you so remember darky. it? Isn't
0: it? Do you remember getting into the '90s and what you were thinking about at the time? Did you Did you know that you would have been the first female to score hundred at the ground? No, I
1: had no, no idea. Um, it was just one of those things, and I suppose. Um, Timing's everything, and my timing on that day to get 100 as a batter, you just wanted to score hundreds, to be fair. It was, yeah, it was just really nice to happen, and a memory, I suppose, you look back on that, you'll always remember. And, yeah, it's definitely my fondest memory, I suppose, individually, batting-wise, was really good, yeah. Was I thinking what I was going to do? All that was going through my head was everyone was up on the balcony. I could see they all had their cameras out. <laughs> and I was like,
0: oh, God. Just to make it a little bit easier for you. Lisa,
1: uh, Lisa, please, please score this 100. There's going to be some disappointing people up on the balcony. And then the, my next thing was thinking about, I remember as a kid, well, not a kid, I was nearly the same age really, seeing Michael Slater score his 100 at yeah. Lord's and he kissed the crests and put his hands up so I was like that's what I'm doing
0: right (laughs) thanks slats (laughs) yeah
1: so I got uh, slats to think to that but I was disappointed in another way because that day I didn't really do my hair Right. Yeah, and I just wish, I look back and... But you had hat
0: hair anyway. Yeah, so that, yeah. I, I
1: looked back and I thought, gee, I wish I did my hair nicer on that day finally. I knew I was going to get some runs. Because I think the morning of I just put my cap on and obviously didn't worry about it because I thought, oh, I've just put my cap on when yeah. we play so it won't be...
0: So superstitions then? No, not at right, all. Right, so See, you did your hair the next game then?
1: No. No? No. <laughs> I just wish that I had my hair did my hair a little bit nicer on that day really Mel. Radio.
0: Well, I'll give you a buzz, potentially if England make the World Cup final yep. in a couple of weeks time. I'll just give you a buzz in the morning just remind you okay, that, to do be nice. your hair. Okay, cheers. This is what this is what friends are for. Yeah.
1: you always were a good mate.
0: <laughs> Touring, did you enjoy it? Because one of oh, my here other favorite <laughs> <laughs> because it just makes me laugh every single time because uh, we got we were lucky enough well, I was lucky enough to t- to tour with you to India and I just you were the tuck shop you know mm. you can, <laughs> the girl from Mudgy wasn't overly keen on and this was it wasn't just India this was England and ev- everywhere we knew that if we needed to you know get a muesli bar or you know some nuts or something that we couldn't get from back home that you had the extra suitcase just jam packed
1: yeah well I always love my um, sweets and I knew going to India I'd been told that you couldn't get much and mm. to be fair where we were staying at in the hotels and places we yeah. stayed at it's no five star where I'm just going to get a hot chocolate or yep. go down to the corner shop so yeah I planned really well I packed smartly <laughs> and then I bartered with people for different snacks when I got sick of mine but yeah that was always a fond men- memory and all the plays remember it about how I was called the top shop, and if you wanted something, if you ran out you, yourself,
0: you could you come go and get to. something. But
1: you needed to swap something. Yeah. Was my big
0: one. Yeah. Did you make yeah. money on that those tours?
1: No, I never charged. Oh, okay. I just wanted it's a good swap. It was like prison, like you know. The yeah, old... I know. Wasn't it great? <laughs> yeah. So India was good fun, but um, yeah, some funny times, wasn't it? Really. <laughs> I think I've got a few good stories <laughs> of me touring. Um, usually, people were paying me out. Me- Paying myself out for different things, but it was always
0: worth a good laugh, wasn't it? The entire team loved you to bits, though. When you took out player of the match of the ward in Vapi in India, and people go automatically if they think you got player of the match, they say, "Oh, I have an easy hit. You hit eighty, but you took three for yeah, three for seventeen. So mm. that it wasn't pace. You went the offies.
1: Yeah, why not? See pace why is Clark, far why too why hard. Why did Belinda
0: Clark turn to, to Lisa Cartley's off spin?
1: Oh, I hate to say this and Shelly Nitschke is probably <laughs> going to kill me if she listens to this. Shell's a uh, fantastic player for Australia, Shelly Nitschke, in her first tour to India as a spinner. She got the yips, yips. Mm. and she couldn't land them, bless her. And I was bowling a little bit in the nets and bowled a little bit of spin for state cricket so with shell going down and struggling belinda's turned to i suppose someone who she's watched a lot in the nets and at state cricket and said pan kiters you need to bowl some offies here so yeah i did it was great fun because for me it was how many overs can i get because i knew once i got hit i'm off (laughs) (laughs) that didn't work we knew there was a car up for grabs that day and we knew that One of us had to do really well because if it was close, it was going to one of the Indian players. So with three for an eighty, I suppose it was hard for him not to give it to me. So that was good timing again, Mel. And it was some laughs and memories again, which a lot of people we talk about. I don't know
0: how many did we fit. It It was a tiny car. It was one of those little. All All of them. We fit the whole twelve. Did we get the whole twelve in? We did. That's impressive. Yeah. Because it was a tiny, tiny car.
1: Yeah. We had 12 in there, hanging off, and the funniest thing was when I did the bunny hops.
0: <laughs> the old manual car.
1: Yeah, I did it on purpose, because I knew there was 12 in the car, and the crowd were loving it. <laughs> um, so yeah, another funny, funny memory, and um, good times.
0: And it just to remind people too, it wasn't just your bottom three of the Indian mm-hmm. order either, they are all top order wickets, including Vitaly Raj.
1: Yeah, that was a dirty half-tracker. Straight
0: <laughs> straight
1: to mid-wicket, but it was great. I actually tell a few plays I got Vitaly Raj. Yeah. Out. Now in my coaching years, I pull well, that story you. out when they say, Lucy, you got some wickets? And I said, yes, I've actually got Vitaly Raj.
0: Yeah, first play to 6,000 day international runs. I'd be yelling that from yes. the rooftop as well.
1: Yep.
0: Okay, so everything's flying. Then 2000 World Cup, Australia went in as... Favorites. It was a close final. I remember watching it in my lounge room and had friends over and I think everyone was yelling at the TV screen by the end of it. Post that World Cup, you decide to retire. Some people, when they retire, say, I just, I knew it was it. I'd had enough or I was going out on top. What were the thoughts behind retirement?
1: Um, retirement, to, I was gutted after the 2008. And um, the two thousand World Cup, I think we had held the record, something like fourteen or fifteen games straight. Seventeen. Seventeen. We got right. yeah. hadn't lost a game. Mm-hmm. Got to the final, yeah. expecting to win. Wanted to play our best as you do, and it didn't go didn't go well. <laughs> New Zealand won that one in the last over, and a lot of us were really gutted. Yeah, we really thought we'd. Peaked and we're in a really good form. And as you do on a final, you still got to bring your best. And New Zealand did it that day. And and then for me, my thinking was, uh, I'm not sure if I can go another four years. It seemed a long time away. State yeah. cricket that season after that didn't go that well, and I lost the drive and the to do all the stuff that I had to do. Yeah. And I was working in cricket at New South Wales full time. And I just didn't want to do it. It was yeah. all too hard. And I was at that stage of, well, I'm not going to the next World Cup. So how much do I want to train? Do I want mm-hmm. to think um, with work and do that without cricket and have a, I suppose you look at it as a normal life. Yeah. And was my time done? I think I was 30. And I thought it was. So I, yeah, retired. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, um, that, Winter, I kept training, as in fitness-wise, yeah. and uh, pre-season I was still playing for New South Wales the next year, so I was hitting a lot of balls, and I thought, hmm, I'm actually quite enjoying it now without yeah. having to do yeah. it. And I, so I rang uh, Mark Jennings at the time and said, "Oh, Mark, I think I might have made a mistake." Yeah. Um, How I How hard was that to do? Um, well, for me, it wasn't hard because I had that in my mind that I I wanted to play for Australia again, but at the same time, I didn't want to get to the end of the season, play well and then stick my hand up. And to be fair, I didn't know how I was going to go Mm. and you don't know how the selectors are going to view it if you retire and then all of a sudden say, oh, sorry, I made a mistake. So I just rang Marg and said, look, Marg, I've been training, I'm hitting them well. I've changed a few things at work because I think I was just burnt out doing working and playing cricket. And I changed a few things up there on how I would go about things, working in cricket and then playing. And so I rang her and she was really good. And I said, I just wanted to ring you now because I didn't want to get to the end of the season and then stick my hand up to say yeah I wanted to play so I just wanted to put it out there if I play well fantastic and I'm good enough to get in that's Mm -hmm. great and if I don't well that's okay you know I still got the drive to do it and hopefully I'll play well enough to force my hand so I was lucky the selectors didn't hold too many grudges (laughs) and I was playing well enough and I think it was the fuel that I needed to have a bit of drive to get back into something yeah um so it made me play really well and Hopefully,
0: I was hard to leave out because I was hitting them well. Yeah, well, hit them well. Won a world cup in two thousand and five. Yep. Then retired again. It wasn't like the yep. Johnny Finn kind of retirement. It was retirement. Then no,
1: I was definitely too old to keep going this <laughs>
0: time. Uh Was coaching always a something that you were passionate? Was it were you passionate about it? You just thought it was a natural progression.
1: Yeah, I just sort of fell into it with work really. I was good at cricket, I got a job at New South Wales cricket and at those stages your role really changed in different ways. I was doing half community cricket and half high performance. Yeah. I really enjoyed the high performance because you could see a result mm-hmm. after each season and how plays were going. Community cricket, I, for me I was quite frustrated because you couldn't see the impact that you're making. Yep. So naturally I went into the high performance side of things and running the programs there in the underage stuff and it's sort of I did that for five years and then coming to the end of cricket I was coaching at Balmain at the time and then towards the end uh, the New South roles, New South Wales role came up full time and I just sort of put my hand up thought it'd be good to go through an interview. Right. Uh, did a bit of coaching with the underage programs and in new high performance pretty well, but not a head coach.
0: Yeah.
1: So I did the interview, and to my surprise, I got <laughs> it, Mel. Um, and it all started from there. So yeah, I've loved every moment of it, and just keep learning every day, which is which. That's the bit I yeah. love. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As we say that, India now need 24 runs. Sorry, 23 runs off 19 balls against Australia at the Junction Oval. Is it hard to be chatting here? Like, I know you've kept your eye on it. Do you sort of sit back and watch these games and, and think, oh, why are they doing that? They should be doing this. No. I've got to jot some notes down. This is how Hummin is hitting them.
1: No, I haven't, Mel, but I'll be definitely looking after them <laughs> after this to see what's going on. Um, it just shows. Are you going to call it?
0: Who's winning uh, this? No. Core, 14 from 14. Mundana, 48 from 42. Oh. 23 from 18.
1: Australia are really experienced with the bowlers they've got and India's probably got the best chance they've got because their two-set batters are in and they're experienced batters, so it's going to be an absolute cracker. It's the
0: first time in a long time I've seen you sitting on the fence. Okay, so...
1: <laughs> I've got better at that. <laughs>
0: Funny that. When you, when you got into coaching, you went straight into coaching, so you're basically coaching so many of the players that you were had played most of your career with. Yeah. Was that a reason why, when you got the Australian job as as head coach yeah that you just took a a step back as well
1: from doing the Aussie job yeah the New South Wales job was a lot easier because your best players are never going to miss a game generally because they're they're your experienced players and do the bulk of the work so coaching at state level against uh, with my mates basically was really easy because they were I, I didn't have any hard conversations and I worked a lot with the younger players that came through, more mm-hmm. than probably the senior players because they were Australian players. So that was really easy. When I got the Australian job, I remember going away, I was quite surprised to get it because of my lack of coaching. I only coached How old me. would you have been then? Uh, gee Mel, you're not meant to ask age. <laughs> I had coached New South Wales for three years. I retired okay, when up. I was 34, so I was 37. Yeah, seven.
0: seven. Mm. Um only A few years
1: ago. And there were still players that I played with in the Australian team. One of my good touring mates, Cara Rolton mm-hmm. and a number of other players, uh, Shelley Nitschke was there, Alex Blackwell. There was just a lot of players that I still played with, and it's a different kettle of fish because you know, they're getting to the end of their careers as well and yeah. decisions have to be made. And I was still learning on the job on yeah. how to coach, I suppose, and have conversations. So I, I remember sitting with Christine Matthews, who was mem- uh, the manager at the time. We'd gone to Darwin. I was doing my first tour against New Zealand. And I said to her, I'm not going to like this gig.
0: You're right.
1: Yeah, so that was probably a month and a half into it. And she goes really yeah. and i'm like yeah no. Nah. um and i think i lasted another six months yeah and for me i think i chose my mates more than my job because i wanted to keep my mates so i yeah, didn't want to have
0: yeah. Hard yeah.
1: conversations mm-hmm. and um to be totally honest a lot of the stuff i was doing and making decisions on were my first time and it was at the highest point you could do so you had a lot of doubts if you're doing yeah. things right and learning to have conversations with players. I, I look back now and how I did it then to how I do it now and it's yeah. chalk and cheese, so I think it was the right decision for me to yeah to leave and um, go and coach somewhere else.
0: You, you brought up the difference between coaching early doors to now, how much, if at all, has your coaching philosophy changed over the time?
1: Uh, look, huge and I really hope it continues to change because I think if it's not changing or you're not looking at others or other sports or how you go about things, um, you're not looking to get better. My philosophy generally is, um, you know, autonomy, player-led program and how much you teach and how much you drag out of people is different. So a young kid who doesn't know stuff, you know what are those conversations to make yeah. them think about it or sometimes you might have to tell them so because they don't know and yeah. then with a senior player how much are you asking questions rather than telling yeah and getting them to understand themselves and having a good balance between life mm-hmm. <laughs> and cricket because <laughs> mental health is huge but I really yeah. think I'm big on players so of getting downtime and getting away and So I hope to put that in programs where they feel like they're not getting burnt out.
0: Is it easier to coach these days? There's more money in the system. You're now the first full-time professional female coach of the England women's cricket team. So is it easier in a way because of the resources being put into the game? Or is it harder because there's just so many other challenges? You mentioned the whole instance of Mm. mental health and the like.
1: For me, it's a tricky one because I still feel like at times the women's game is still going through a transition of yeah, I
0: semi-professional
1: yep. to fully professional. And for me, the I suppose the challenge is now of a coach is you've got a huge support staff mm-hmm. and your squads are really big. So pulling all that together and getting people working together and still in the direction of your philosophy and how yeah. you want to go about things is the biggest challenge. And players, obviously, at a state level, it was a real balanced transition of you've got school kids who yeah. are doing HSC, you've got girls that are at uni. You know, at that stage I had Elise Villani and Nicole Bolton, full-time athletes. Mm-hmm. And then some players who just starting to do cricket and nothing else and saying, yeah. come on,
0: what's your other
1: thing to get away from cricket so I think at state level it was extremely challenging to pull that together to Mm -hmm. get it right for each individual I don't like to try and create a program that is just blanket across I really try and tailor towards individuals and what what that looks like so yeah it is extremely challenging conversations I think now are key in how you can Talk to your players um, and get those relationships so they trust you.
0: Yeah, is um, that because you mentioned that the, the, the coaching squads, the support staff is is quite large now, and you can yeah. bring in experts in keeping and bowling and spinning yeah. and batting, so that then you can have those more more of those conversations. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I suppose trusting those staff to work with you, yeah, and get all on board without stopping them being them as a coach. Mm-hmm. So I just try and be really strong with the messages and the direction and then what that looks like for each coach can be different. Yeah. I just try and let people be them and then work within giving them really clear messages of yeah. where you want to get to as a program and as a coach and what the key themes are and
0: continuous conversations with players and staff are key. Have you seen someone who's done it well before? Like, have you just, the kind of person says, looks at other the ways in which other coaches go about specifically that side of things and go, yeah, that's, that's how I'd like to do it.
1: I've been, not necessarily coaches, I've had a lot of coaches in my time and uh, I love seeing environments and what different people do, so... Yeah. I try and pull a heap of things out. I wouldn't say coaches, but I'd say there's two programs of education that I've gone through that have made an impact on how I do things, and that was the level four in England. That was really helpful, one, for me to understand myself, my strengths and weaknesses, and Mm -hmm. how to go about having conversations and working with boards and players and staff. And the other one was the AIS podium course where I worked with 12 coaches and I've had two years of listening to different mm-hmm. things that have happened in their environments yeah. uh, and uh, having conversations with those coaches when you're not too sure what to do and it's good to have a, another opinion. Yeah. So those things are, I think I've learned to do really well and uh, ask question how i do things yeah. to see if i could do
0: them better you've been the ultimate professional because it's been me that's been pausing as this game goes down to the wire we're going to take a quick break on the road to the t20 world cup because there's just nine deliveries left in this match in the tri-series before the world cup and i want to watch it as much as i'm enjoying having no. a chat to you Kiley. we'll be back An in a Indian second in 10
1: mel
0: 10 off nine. see this is yeah. i'm not even paying attention we'll be back in a tick On SEN, this is Road to the T20 World Cup with Mel Jones. would you believe it? India's won Mm. tri-series. So it comes down to your game tomorrow against Australia. So you win that. It'll be Australia-India in the final. India's form surprised you at all?
1: I think we all know they've got... Dangerous batters, and today those batters did really well.
0: They clicked. Is that how do you, as a coach, or even as a player for that matter, because you've you've won World Cups as a player? What what's the key ingredient to to winning a World Cup? Is it ensuring? Is it more on field than off field? Is it a good combination of both?
1: Oh, I think it's a combination of both, and um, just building confidence throughout. And I think you forget about it a lot, but you just need to win your games, and sometimes it doesn't really matter what that looks like, and you can have your perfect scenario and how you want to go about it. But sometimes in World Cups, it's a little bit different, and you just got to scrape and get through.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point because no one ever really remembers the round games unless you're probably a player yourself. Everyone just remember remembers who who won it.
1: Yeah, you just got to get people um, getting to a place where they're confident and feeling like uh, they're walking out. Um, knowing what they want to do and have really clear plans and strategies and these days match-ups are key and you can help players out by doing your homework and trying to do the best with match-ups you can.
0: As coach of the England team, one of the first things you probably look at is who you've got in your own pool, how do you see that panning out for for England?
1: Oh there's no doubt, I think we have an easier pool on rankings Mm -hmm. Um, And South Africa look really dangerous from watching some of their plays through yep. the Big Bash and how they've gone over in New Zealand. And then I think the West Indies are the unknown. For the last 12 months, they've had key players out. Yeah. And those key players, I think, are, are back in. Yep. Um, so uh, they're the unknown. But we all know that they've got players that on their day can win your matches yeah. too. So, But I can't wait, Mel, to play... Thailand. Thailand. <laughs> I just can't wait. I think it's such yeah, so good for the game um, that a team in a country like Thailand can be in a World Cup, and I, I just can't wait to see how they go. And
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I think everyone's looking forward to it. It's yeah. and mention it on one of the other podcasts. I think Mary Waldron brought it up that the women's program in Thailand gets more resources and funding than the men's program, which would be. I couldn't think... Take netball out of the equation. I couldn't think of another sport anywhere in the world where that that probably happens.
1: Yeah, I know. Awesome. Well, it's work. They're in the World Cup. This is it. (laughs) The money they've spent, they've got a good investment, good return.
0: Um, Could they cause an upset? It would be probably one of the biggest (laughs) upsets in World Cup history.
1: I hope it's not against us. Um, I I honestly don't know because I I haven't got any information on them and... We'll be trying to get as much information before we play them, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know. <laughs> Please tell me you put a there was a bonus clause in your contract for England for winning a World Cup within six months of starting. <laughs> oh, look,
1: I'd be really rapt for the plays if if we could get there. That would be my bonus at this stage. Now, <laughs> a month into my job. Yeah,
0: that's it. The last. World Cup was uh, two thousand eighteen, the West Indies, and England had a horror start because they lost Sarah Taylor, who pulled out previous to it, and then Catherine Brunt did her, did her back. We were both coached by John Harmer, mm-hmm. and one of his sayings was, "You just got to control the controllables. As much as things might go awry, you can't invest too much energy into that because it is out of your control." How much of that plays in your mind when you come into a World Cup?
1: Well, for me, nothing ever goes smoothly. There's, and when it does, there's something around the corner that's going to happen. Right. Okay. <laughs> that's what I've heard in coaching so far. When it's quiet, I'm nervous because, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't know. So how so.
0: do you prepare for that? Do you actually sit down and, and, say, and get your support staff in going, right, how do we manage if player X and X go down before the start?
1: Yeah well I'm always thinking of it and I suppose for me this is what's been so good with the Tri-Series mm. is you can play around with things. I know you want to win and you can play around with things with if this happens we need to get this player up ready and full of confidence and or we want to see how this player goes. Yeah. So there's, look, To be totally honest, we've been doing that throughout the Tri-Series and we'll be doing it throughout the World Cup as well, making sure if this player goes down, this is player's next in and ready and so forth from skill sets. I think as a coach, uh, I don't think you're doing your job if you're not looking at that sort of stuff. So, yeah, all the staff. We have a lot of conversations about what if. and Yeah, yeah, it was nice to get the super over the other day because that was about our eighth time since I've started doing a super over, so the players were really clear on what they're doing yeah. and the way we went about it, um, they knew what was going on and thinking of match-ups and yeah. so forth. It, you know, I love all that stuff. I think that's really good <laughs> uh, on game day when you have to make decisions really quickly, but at the same, you've prepped for it, so yeah. you can just go with your gut on the day.
0: Has there been a surprise for you with this England setup? Because they played... Un- they probably performed underperformed during the recent Ashes series and then Mark Robinson his contract wasn't extended you, you come in and you, you you know the players a lot you've coached a lot of them when you were coach of the academy team in England a lot of the players have played over with the Perth Scorchers as well have you come into this environment and gone wow I didn't expect that from this group
1: well I've nearly flipped it the other way I know the girls so well yeah. and they know me so well so that wasn't a huge change for them yeah um The players aren't talking about the Ashes anymore, they've moved on Mm. and they're really happy with where they're at. Mm -hmm. As a coach, it's really unfortunate, I suppose, when another coach walks away. So it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? Mm. All I know is, and what um, I was interested in the position is, uh, the girls that play for England love playing for England. They really enjoy what they do um, and there's some really good cricketers in there and and some match winners and I thought, do you know what, they'd be a really good team to coach yeah. because of those reasons. And they have a lot of fun too, which is good. So we have a lot of laughs and I knew that I suppose going into the role and that's what I suppose I wanted to bring back is yeah. that enjoyment of playing and, and backing them in and yeah. that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, it's just been great and the plays have been great and I think what's happened in the past has happened like most teams and it's just Everyone a time, right. you know, to mm. put a line in the sand and say that was that and this is where we want to go to and let's work really hard to get to where we want to go and for you guys to be the best cricketers and people you can be.
0: You're back in Australia now, you'll head back to England post this World Cup. Does Lisa Kightley pack an extra suitcase of tuck shops. What are you going to miss when you're in England for the next three-year contract? Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's funny you said that, Mel. Um, I've packed a coffee machine. Okay, yes. Yeah, because um, (laughs) Australians do love their coffee, and yes, it is different over in England, and (laughs) I don't feel like it; it's as nice. (laughs) So I have packed my little tuck shop and got a coffee machine. Well, I miss? Oh, look. There's all things I'm going to miss sun, light, <laughs> uh, friends, family. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was a uh, great time to get back into international cricket. Yeah. And I was really lucky. I've got a very supportive partner who let me go yeah. for the three years. So it's a good time to be involved. That's lucky
0: because we've been recording for about 40 minutes here, and you had not mentioned anything. I know, your partner, so I would have um, got in trouble. Yeah, massively.
1: <laughs> Hi Karen, I very much appreciate you letting me go for three years. Yeah, it's no, she's really supportive and it's been fantastic to have her around, with her excitement. She's learning the game too, which is nice. Yeah, hopefully not too much. <laughs> I like the way she is. She's not very sporty wouldn't say watched much cricket before but has come a long way
0: that she has
1: (laughs) yeah so no it's been great so there's heaps of things i'll miss but i'm really fortunate that i've been able to have another crack at coaching internationally and yeah i'm really enjoying it so i'm sure we'll have lots of ups and downs but so far it's been great and i'm loving every moment of it
0: okay picture this you in your three lions tracksuit. Yeah, you're on the boundary line at the MCG. Mm. England. Let's say, uh, you're with the team. You're batting. You're mm. only a couple of runs away. Last delivery. You get them. The MCG is packed to the rafters. Yeah. What What does that feel like?
1: It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? As a cricketer who and a supporter of cricket for a number of generations, mm. to see women's cricket get to that stage and the momentum of women's sport, yeah. um, in Australia and in England, you just shake your head yeah. and think, "Wow, I never thought it, in my lifetime it would come to this stage." But it just shows organisations investing in in uh, the women's pathway yeah. and getting it on TV mm-hmm. and for a young female to watch and get role models and heroes Mm -hmm. how quickly it can change so firstly it'd be great to be at the mcg on the sideline and secondly to look up at the crowd i think there'll be a lot of women in that stadium and cricketers from the past just going wow this is sensational yeah um so either way i hope it's it's sold out and I'll be standing there as a coach or as a spectator. Thinking. So you'll come along
0: regardless? Yeah,
1: of course yeah. I would. I wouldn't miss yeah. it for the world. It would be awesome. Yeah.
0: And Most importantly, probably the most important question to finish things off, how's your hair looking My hair. for that moment?
1: it <laughs> would be good. I definitely would have gone and got the highlights to cover the greys. <laughs> from the tournament and hopefully it's not looking too bad but i would have a cap on and it wouldn't be coming off the <laughs> duration of the match you now so it'd be good can i just say one thing yeah you can say you have more than one ask thing. me my most memorable sporting oh event. i haven't
0: either no wow this is like i think the 15th 16th in road to the t20 world cup and it's usually my first go-to because i'm mm. always quite excited so thank you
1: no my pleasure right
0: okay just rewinding, rewinding. Lisa Cartley, your most memorable sporting moment? Olympics.
1: Just imagine if you are at the Olympics. Yeah. In the stadium. Mm-hmm. Full house. Yep. Kathy Freeman's oh, four hundred meters. Yes.
0: Were you there, or you were watching on TV? No, I was there. You were there. Yes. Which part of the track?
1: I was just past the finishing line.
0: Oh, I, I know. I ticket. know. Well.
1: <laughs> Yeah, long story. (laughs) Best day of my life. My God. The expectation of a single athlete with the pressure of Mm -hmm. all of Australia. And then when she walked out in that catsuit.
0: Yeah, the full body. With the hood. The hood.
1: I was like, (laughs) oh my God, that is huge. And to listen to the crowd just... Screamed the yeah. whole way round and yeah. then when they worked out she was in front and she mm. was going to win was amazing. And she's got goosebumps I know. all over I again. Like... <laughs> <laughs> amazing. That wow. was brilliant. That's... And she's always been absolute legend from yeah. that day on.
0: I had the absolute honour and privilege of sitting next to her at a um, at a conference in which they replayed the race. Yeah. So sitting there next to her and I I was watching her more than the replay on the screen. So it would have been an auditorium of about four hundred people. And she watched it like she didn't know what the result was. And I'm, I'm sitting next to her going, You know you win, don't you? <laughs> You've got this right. But she was so into it again. Yeah. And that was that was probably one of my most, yeah, favourite sporting moments. Wasn't was yes, watching it. I yeah. didn't happen to be there, but was watching her watch it again. And just see the almost the excitement and exhilaration yet again when she passed and yeah. relief probably was the other one when she passed it i know oh, that's Indeed. that's impressive Well, i'm glad you reminded yeah. me i know amazing
1: <laughs> i wasn't gonna let that one slide no no wow yeah
0: well let's finish on that's so much better than finish on what kind of haircut you're gonna have for the Cup final <laughs> lisa gaitley thank you so much
1: <laughs> my pleasure mel it's always a pleasure catching up with you